0: Welcome to a very special episode of Anatomy of a Movie. We're going to be talking about black and blue. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie
1: discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk, we talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. Hello,
0: everyone, and welcome to another episode of Anatomy of a Movie. I am Scott Menzel, happy to be hosting this week's episode. Uh, But first and foremost, before we talk about the movie, which is going to be Black and Blue, we have two very, very special guests in the studio who are connected to this film in some way, shape, or form, right? always and yes, always exactly right, right. Uh, <laughs> sitting right next to me is Dion Taylor and right next to him is his lovely wife Roxanne Taylor thank you so much for being on the show popcorn talk. and joining mm-hmm. me as always popcorn on this talk. show which is usually he's in the hot sheet <laughs> it is Dimitri Panos hi
1: hey, hello everybody popcorn talk? I'm popcorn just gonna talk. keep doing it popcorn talk pop, pop. <laughs>
0: <laughs> So... So me and Dimitri are going to bounce back and forth. Um, I'm actually going to pass it right over to to, to Dmitri because he's actually the first uh, person to usually do this show, and he's who's best in it. He's been doing I this for what seven years? You've been on the show hundred years now, yeah, wow. yeah hundred uh, a
2: million episodes under my belt. No, actually, it's six. It's over. Yeah, going into seven. Wow. Well, um, yeah, since the inception of the show, very first one was the original Pacific Rim. Was the very first. Of this incarnation mm. uh, of Anatomy of a Movie, so I've been privileged, and it's an honor to sit in this seat, and it's an honor to have you folks yes. here. Always love talking yes. movies. That's the whole genesis of Anatomy of a Movie. So I've got <laughs> so much to talk about, and I do want to talk about Black and Blue. Yes, uh, and. and <clears throat> I want to talk, and your inspirations for getting in here. But we were talking outside before coming in. Mm-hmm. Something that struck me do uh, in my research. You went from you went from playing basketball <laughs> mm-hmm. in like Germany, yes, to being inspired by DVD special feature documentaries on movies like <laughs> Terminator Two, which was a great doc, yes. Uh mm-hmm. into filmmaking and. I want to talk about that because that's what brought you into yeah. filmmaking. You're a self-educated, made writer and filmmaker.
1: That's right. I want to talk
2: about this. And
1: dancer. And dance. dancer. I, do, I actually can dance really well. You know what? I um, um, It's interesting, man, because we had this conversation a lot about, you know, what is film school and what does film school mean to people and what do you learn? And, you know, obviously when a lot of these young kids get out of film school, what did they learn? Um, and um, it's interesting for me based on the fact that I never went to film school. And I've also began to look around and notice that a lot of the filmmakers that I absolutely love have never went to film school. Mm-hmm. I was surprised years ago to find out Quentin Tarantino never went to film school. You know, he was he was a um, uh, someone who just absolutely loved movies and cinema and film and could study it and watch it and... That's exactly what happened with me. As a matter of fact, it's a very special day today because normally I tell this story and I say every time I tell this story, I was in Germany playing basketball and my girlfriend at the time was sending me DVDs. Well, that girlfriend is right next to me (laughs) and um, is now my wife, right? And it's just, um, it's incredible. Yeah, so I was, you know, getting the care packages or getting things sent and uh, movies began to be the highlight of my day because after you play basketball three, four, five hours during the day and you go home, you don't speak the language, it's the middle of winter time in Germany, it's like, all right, what are you going to do now? And then you turn the TV on, it's like, I'm not watching any of this shit. right? So, <laughs> so, at, that point, so at that point, it's like, all right, what are we going to do? And obviously, you put in the DVD at the time, uh-huh. watch whatever that movie is, and I was fascinated, man. I had never even thought about it, but... Click the link, and there it is, like a making of or, you know, a a commentary. And I began to be just fascinated with, first, the commentary. Um, I thought that was interesting. I had never clicked on that. And uh, to be able to watch a film and have the director walk you through, talking over the film, blow by blow, what happened in the movie. Fun, educational you know what I mean? Ups, downs, oh my God, he didn't say this line, like we cut away from it. And then you're going like, Wow, this is insane. So then if you go from the commentary to actually watching which we just had a conversation yeah. about, which is like really good produced making of oh. I mean, you know, an hour. Right. Plus right, or, or more. Where you're sitting there watching deleted scenes. Real, how did they make that? Where's that at? What? What's a flywall? What is not a fly wall? What camera did they use? What actor was on point that day? Well, someone came late and, oh, he was actually sick this day, and that's why the performance. <laughs> when you start seeing that, you're like, damn, this is insane. Right. And um, I got the bug, man, and I actually flew back um, at the time and was in between trying to figure out if I was going to play basketball I didn't know what I was going to do in my life. I just knew I was really interested in film, and I had wrote this script. And I was sleeping on Roxanne's couch, and I remember going, "I got this movie. I got this idea <laughs> he for this wasn't horror."
3: Really sleeping on the couch. G. I <laughs>
1: was like, "I got this." You cannot tell these people. No, okay, so, but happened to like, I had wrote the whole screenplay to a horror movie on a Me tablet, similar to that tablet over there. Yeah and was not... I wrote it out like a book. Right. And uh, I had a friend at the time, who his name was Rodney, and he was like a film dude, not really at all. He was like, <laughs> in the military, he knew how to work the camera, so he was like, well, I'm, I'm a movie maker, and I'm like, all right, well, how do you write a script, right? He didn't know shit. So I was like, all right. So I had to figure out how to actually write a screenplay, and um, it was really interesting, man, like the way that the... Um, the universe actually synced up for this for me to actually become a filmmaker. At the time I was trying to figure out what I was gonna do, how I was gonna get this movie done. I ended up meeting this guy, and you'll love this. His name was Brian Hooks. And Brian Hooks, Hooks at the time, not 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 the director uh, Brian okay. Hooks, this is an actor Brian Hooks. And he was making at the time he was making these very small, independent straight to D V D movies that were so raw and uncut. They were movies literally that were like ten thousand dollars. Wow. Right? Fifteen thousand dollars. And I was like, man, well and he was here in LA and I was in Northern California and he was like, Man, you just come to Set and, and I'll show you what we're doing. And I remember going to set and being like, this is the movie set? Like and it was like the director, him and the director were the writers, directors, producers. They were the wardrobe. They were, you know what I mean? They were behind the scenes. It was like, they did everything. And I remember being on set with them one day. and I'm like, man, this is insane. All the stuff that they're doing to make a movie happen. Video cameras, whatever it might be. <clears throat> and um, I remember being in film school during that time with him. I'm like, uh-huh. damn, this is crazy. Somebody bringing some KFC to the set. <laughs> the set. The director, like, passing out the chicken and shooting. I'm like, damn, this is This is crazy, and as I watched that process, when they finished this process with this film, and I seen it on a, you know, obviously a a link, I watched it a little bit on the screen, I said, well, you could actually see all the flaws. And I, in my brain, was thinking, oh, that movie's gonna look just like the movie that goes to the theater. And that's when I learned, like, okay, this is how you make a movie independently, but why does it look like that? Right, and then that's when I started learning. Like, oh, you need a cinematographer. Lighting is what makes it feel like this. Oh, acting is why it looks. But that's why you got to have mm-hmm. a great actor. Oh, a director's job is to get the performance. So all of a sudden now, my brain kind of and still wired for basketball. I'm beginning to look <laughs> at film like a team, and it really right. comes down to who are you putting on the court, right? Like who's on the court. Right, if you got a bunch of guys that are not really good, then you're not going to have a really good movie, right? And if you have a bunch Absolutely. of guys that are actually really good, and you have a really good coach, now you got a team that's going to play. And I looked at film that way from day one, like, oh, you got to get a cinematographer, you got to get the right actors, you got to, you know what I mean? You got to understand what what they're saying on on the script, and and that's how it happened. And eventually, uh, two three years after that, after walking the streets for. <laughs> I mean literally man like 4 years like trying to figure out if somebody could help us make this screenplay that I had wrote in Germany <clears throat> literally like please 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 someone came to me and said hey man they're not going to ever make that movie I had went to all the all the studios people knocked on doors and you know got laughed out of the goddamn room a bunch of times and and finally a dude said man you got to go make your movie by yourself and that conversation put me on a completely different trajectory for my entire life. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't even know you could do that. right? I didn't even know that was part of the game, where you could be like, wait, I don't need them? <laughs> and it was like, no, you could actually go get your own money and make your own film. And 15 years later, here, me and Roxanne are. Roxanne, the first time we stepped on the movie set, it was our film. It was written, produced, and directed by us. I had no idea what the hell I was doing. And a cinematographer at the time, his name was Phil Lee, um, incredible uh, Japanese cinematographer. I remember he was like, you just tell the actors what to do, and I'll do the camera, and I'll tell you the rest. (laughs) And we're sitting there, and it's day one. I'm shaking like a leaf. Right, we didn't did all this stuff. I didn't hustle my way to the movie set, right? So now I'm the director, and I'm standing there. And I remember it was like a scene with the um uh, it's a horror movie, and it was the aftermath of like this killer that went into this house and killed these people, and all the police were coming, and Rucker Howard was the cop. Rucker Howard was the detective. We got him for like two days for fifteen thousand dollars, and we were like treating this dude like he was Barack Obama and said like, Mister Howard, could you please? Do you need to see? Like I'm. And and it was like three, two, one. It was the first day, seven o'clock in the morning, and three, two, one, Dion, boom, and everyone's standing there. And I'm standing there behind the camera. <laughs> and I'm going. Yeah, boy. This is no lie. <laughs> and I'm going. And literally and everyone's like looking and they're looking at me and I'm like, What the fuck are they looking at me? <laughs> and then I'm like, looking, looking, looking. Literally this happened for about three minutes. And I was going like, damn, is something wrong? Yeah. And you can't tell anyone you don't know what the hell you're doing because you're right. the director. Right. And, the, and, the, <laughs> and the Phil Lee leaned over off the camera, walked over and said, Dion,
0: you gonna say action. And I went, oh.
1: So then I went and waited another minute like I was making the shit, like I was doing no purpose. I was like, action. And all this shit started happening. I said, oh my God, this is... Then, of course, I don't know when to cut. Right? <laughs> so, so now you like, go, right? now they like, keep doing this,
2: this shit over and over. And I'm
1: like... Damn, this has been going on for seven minutes. You gotta say cut. i like, cut! Right? And, and this is like 35 millimeter film at the time. Man, so you know the no, film. Oh, my God. That was cheap. Well, no I'm kidding. Right. So that, that right. was like how it all came yeah. down, man. And, you know, it was crazy. And I remember, like, Rock saying like, day three, like, Dion, you gotta learn how to say cut. We can't afford any more film. And I'm like, oh, I, yeah, I got Because I'll just let the film roll. And, man, you don't understand. Like, for all those filmmakers out there right now, when you're shooting film, every second is money every Every reel is money every frame is money so it's like you run through the... You know, now you're talking about, like, man, can we get a little bit more money? And, yeah, it was interesting, man. And that was the first time we got from Germany to a movie set.
2: That's... So, 10. so basically this is all your fault. <laughs> it is,
0: yeah. You were the yeah. film curator. <laughs> right. I was going to ask you, like, what was your take on this whole, like, passion? That, were you on board from it, with it, from day one? Or is it something that he had to I kind mean, of, like...
3: I mean, I... I a hundred percent support him and everything he did. No, I had no idea he (laughs) would be, you know, who he is today, right? Or that this would be. I mean, he he worked his whole life to play basketball, right? His whole entire life, he ate, slept, breathed basketball, right? Hmm. So I didn't envision another life outside of that because of who he was. So when he did come and say, Oh, I wanna make a movie <laughs> Of course I'm like, Okay, great, let's do it. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm How hard can it be? I'm like, whatever <laughs> you know, Obviously, right. you know, I've known Dion twenty seven years now. So it's like you know, we're very passionate people mm-hmm. and you know, you gotta go do and go get what you want on yeah. your own. And so I'm like, all right, well what do we gotta do? And and I only knew this much. He always refers to, like, well, I was in the film business, and I knew I didn't know shit
1: either. She was you in the film I mean? business at the time. Did I tell you guys that? <laughs> but, sure, let me tell you well, what business she was in. because right? I Because that was part of my like my whole makeup <laughs> with her. I, I, when we would talk to people, I was like, yeah, Roxanne's in the film business, so we're going to do some of her. And they'd be like, what do you do? And she worked at the GGA, the GGA at the time. There was yeah. a, it was a PA in the Texas Walkers. But walkers.
3: I had some, <laughs> like... Exposure. I to, yeah. You know? And
1: I wanted to talk to you about
2: working at the DGA, but you brought up a point, and I'm going to get to that just sure. one sec. You brought up a point about it being a collaborative effort. Yeah. Um, which totally is. And the other thing too, that you hear many a director say, I am only as good as the people around me. Mm-hmm. I try to hire people mm-hmm. who know what they're doing to yes. help me and we can yes. collaborate on. And one of my favorite stories about this is similar to yours, is Harold Ramis. Mm-hmm. Uh, the very first movie he directed was Caddyshack. Yeah. He said, I have no idea what, <laughs> what the hell he's was, he was doing. doing. And we're at this golf course, I put my camera down And I was about to say action, and and then the DP comes over to me and says, Oh, you really can't put the camera there because the sun's going to come down. It's going to ruin the shot. He goes, Okay. He goes, I suggest you move it over here. Right, Right. He goes, Okay. And he goes, that's how I learned how to direct. Yeah. So you know, for many, it, it has been a trial by fire. But I find that the best movies are that collaborative effort. Yes. Where everybody's gears are spinning. Yes. And they're all in tune. So, yeah. And I always love talking about them because yeah. people don't understand your, that. your
0: story in a weird way. I, I'm, have you <laughs> seen the Dolomite movie? The one that came out with Eddie Murphy I
1: haven't have but, it, I, yeah. but, I, but but I know the Dolomite story yeah. from beginning uh, to end yes so but yes. I
0: mean it kind of it, it's funny your story yeah. sounds very similar to that movie being made very similar, but, yeah. where it's just like no one really knew what they wanted to do they just were very passionate about yeah, it really. and everyone just kind of got, came yeah. on
2: board but his yeah. people like your DP like you yeah. said knew yeah. like you, know, you get a real action. And, yeah. I'll take care of the camera. Yep. you make sure of this, so uh, that, that, that's uh, I love those kind of stories. Uh, so the DGA.
3: I think it's important mm-hmm. too, though, to know like you know what you know and you know what you don't know, right? right? And not being afraid to admit that, right? right? And relying on the team around you to fill in yes. on oh. the things yes. you don't exactly. know. And we've been like huge supporters of our sets and staff to help us and educate us because yeah. we're students all the time right from the beginning to even right now so they're the ones that helped us and guided us through this right. whole process yeah. Yeah, and yeah
2: i think that you should always approach almost anything with eyes wide open yeah right. like i can know so much But if somebody has an idea, you take the suggestion, and that's what makes it truly collaborative. There was a movie that we had reviewed. I'm not going to mention the movie, the director, or anything, but it had a big star in it, and the star, who's an accomplished director, and the director says to this person before filming, Listen, dude, I don't want there to be any, I'm the director. You are the actor. I already made a you bad movie. Not gonna, And I'm
1: like going You already made a bad movie. Movie. Dude, why? <laughs> why would you even yeah.
2: bother? Like why would you yep. do that? Like why would your ego get in the way of like if if he had a suggestion and the person's professional enough professional enough to know he's acting, but if he sees something said, Hey, what if we try this? Why wouldn't you be open to You're the suggestion? Trying it. You're just trying, yeah. and especially now that it's not on 35 millimeter, <laughs> where it's digital, <laughs> yes. where you can like delete. Um, I, yeah. it just, that that just like blew me away. I was like, "That's the height of hubris that you have," yeah. and you really, I get as a director too. You have to be in command, yes, but at the same time, open to like you know, you have to be in a sense Captain Kirk, but you take. Mm-hmm. Your suggestions from your crew, yeah, to say hey, and then you suss out. Okay, I like this. I like this. That one not so much. But you, you're parsing out the best that your crew has to offer, right. so that you can get the best out of an actor, the yeah. best out of a scene, the lighting. So yeah, yeah, you'd yeah. be
1: surprised how I many people do not approach film that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know why? I would believe that the most successful filmmakers. Um, in the business right now And I'm not talking about critical acclaim mm-hmm. I'm talking about people that make movies For audiences and mm-hmm. fans Yes, mm-hmm. Why they're successful is because Of what you just said They step into a room And it's a creative exercise Where everyone's involved from beginning to end You know mm-hmm. what I mean We have people, you know And I didn't realize what we were doing And, and like I said I, As a filmmaker, I approach film like basketball And really looking at when I play ball, what coach did I love and what coach did I hate, okay? You could get a coach like a Bobby Knight, right, mm-hmm. who's throwing chairs at you, screaming at you, grabbing you by the back of your neck, pulling you out the game, right? You can't have your name on the back of your jersey, right? This is Indiana basketball, right, right. where you like, okay, <clears throat> so many people done left that program in a scarf for life, and you get on the court, and now I'm scared when I get on the fast break. Well, I miss, the coach going to yank me out. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> or you get a great coach like Shaka Smart, right, who is diving on the ground during the game and screaming, come on, you got him, lock him up, you miss a shot, don't worry about it, get the next one. <clears throat> you know what I mean? He's dripping sweat halftime. That's a guy where you're like, I'm going to die for this dude on the court. You need to inspire yeah. I'm going to die for this dude on the court. I'm going to give him everything I have. They're going to have to drag me off. And we approach film that way. I approach film where every actor come in, everybody, the guy holding the light, I'm saying to him after a take, what did you think? Mm-hmm. Oh, man, you know what I thought? I thought that the one time he went that. the second one, man. I said, I thought the same thing. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Then what happens is when you're in the fourth quarter, you don't have a lot of money. <laughs> And you're in the in you know you're going into a 16 17 hour day, that dude that's holding the light, he's still holding it just as heavy as he could hold it. He's coming to you like, yo, the second take, D, the second take. That's what you want. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. That's what you want. You want craft service to be like, I came on set and seen the the one thing, man, D, and I really thought Naomi was great. Right? Like, you want people to have those conversations because this is what they're doing with their life. They're working on a movie. So you can't be like, no, you just craft services. You just the lighting person. I'm the king. Everybody does what I want to do. No. How many times I had Naomi and it's been written, uh, Hillary Swank and Naomi Harris will tell you the same exact thing. When I'm done with a scene, I say, go watch. Go watch it. Mm. Which one did you like? Which take did you like? Dan, I really like number one. I said, like, well, I don't like two. Why'd you like? Well, let's do three. Let's go do another one. Right? Because all of a sudden now, I need you to be part of what we're doing. I need you to be part of the process. What did you see here differently? What didn't you see there differently? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And that, to me, is the level of beginning to make great film.
2: And, and if I may ask, too, I, I would have to, and again, not being in Naomi's head, lucky yeah. for her, that it's appreciated. Yeah. It's appreciated
3: that
1: Maria Well, she had never done in. that.
2: Yeah. yeah.
3: She and had never, set the tone, too, you know yeah, what I mean, for yeah. the entire stage, sure. right? From yeah. day one.
1: Yeah, she had never, ever had a filmmaker ask her, what does she think? Yeah. Right, and and what's interesting, you're talking about now, who who is she working with? These are incredible. Barry Jenkins, mm-hmm. um, I mean, uh, what is she, 28 Weeks Later, Bond, I mean, Bond movies. Yeah. Not one right. time has a director said, hey, what'd you what'd you think? Like, I'm like, oh, no, that ain't how we, we don't do it here. We don't do that. You know what I mean? And that's why I feel like when you have movies like Black and Blue today, that has an A-plus cinema score, right? And you have critics like A.O. Scott who said, this is incredible, mm-hmm. right? But fans, man, you're making movies for fans. You're making right. movie for people that taking their last $20, giving it to a theater chain, mm-hmm. and sitting down and want to be entertained. Right. And, and they're not going home and writing a book about what they thought about the film. They're, mm-hmm. they're saying, man, for two hours— damn, that was great. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And that was explosive and that was great. And that's who I make movies for. I yeah. think,
0: you know, and I think what's interesting about you is that every single person, I've interviewed, what, you three or four times at yes, this point. Yes, yes. And I've talked to the talent along with you every time. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that every single talent that I have talked to have said about you, they have said, we love Dion because of his energy and the fact that he actually asks us what we think of the scene. Yes. Mm-hmm. Every person has yeah. said that. So that yeah. kudos to you for doing that yes. because you have built relationships. That's right. And I think that's, that's right. so great and yeah. it's so
2: important in this industry. I would take it a step further too that it might even inspire some of these people oh, because listen, I think anytime you're on a set and I've been on a set, I've, I've, I've yeah. been privileged to work, like on movies and everything. So but you learn too and many people who who, who either act, maybe even produce, if they want to get into directing the only way to do that is to be led into the process Mm -hmm. so yes you can see it and how it all all is done and takes place but with you if you're asking hey come on over i want you to take a look at this yeah they get a better sense of film the filmmaking process Well, everything and Yeah. yeah and i think that that by doing so you might be inspiring somebody else maybe later on down the line maybe they end up directing an indie film or a television that is happening or something. yeah,
1: yeah and, and you gotta also remember like while we're sitting there talking about film like we are 100% independent filmmakers mm-hmm. so we're not you know as we're talking you know on on Popcorn Talk today Popcorn Talk as we're doing Popcorn Talk the thing is you have to remember we're making movies for 2 and 3 million dollars 4 million dollars right Right? so why I'm saying that is because this is not studio movies where you're like, oh, yeah, we got $35 million and, hey, we're getting off in two hours and uh, let's see if we could cruise by and get one more scene. Like, no, this is like, man, if you don't get it today, you're not getting it. So you need everybody in the room to have the same energy and the same passion. Like, yo, we literally have to do, and because we're talking about the anatomy of film, we literally have to average 50 to 75 setups a day. Mm-hmm. I literally have to do five to nine to ten pages a day of dialogue. Wow. Right? That's, and yeah, I got to yeah. capture performances, capture shots, make sure the cinematographer is getting what he wants to get, and also be obedient to people like Dante Spinotti, who's used to having a day to light a scene, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. People like Daniel Pearl, who's the hottest horror film uh, cinematographer in the world, giving him time to look at the sun and be like, the only way I light the scene is if the sun is over there, right? And I'm going like, okay, God damn it. Th-. You know what I mean? Like, okay, man, look, you start setting that up, and I'm going to go shoot. You got to be able to be that type of person. If The moment that you do that, everything that you do independent film-wise breaks. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you got to have a goddamn good producer, man. You know, this... Although she's fine and she's hot and she should be <laughs> a model and all that stuff, she is incredible. You you have no idea the flexibility and the freedom that I have because I have such a great producing partner and everybody out there watching the show make sure you get somebody that can really produce really pay attention to the bottom line really pay attention to what you need to do. She is the only person because I am a very creative person. I don't give a shit what I'm said. I'm like I'm like flying around like oh man that's really good we should and she's like you got thirty minutes motherfucker like to get your ass right and I'm like all right well let me try to and 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 it's great because she's constantly. Like you gotta be here, you gotta be there, you gotta do that. Okay, Dion, I know you know how to scratch a whole I could omit a whole two, three pages and redo it a different way. Yeah. That's part of being independent for so long where you go, damn, okay, we can't do none of that. All right, give me twenty minutes. Right. Right? So now we can't shoot the scene in the field. Right, because we can't get out there and move the equipment. So now I'm going like, okay, we got to do that whole scene on the patio,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? If she's the producer that's going. Okay, that's how you're going to do it. Yes. Okay. Boom. Within three minutes, everyone's moving. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And she's already instructed them. This is what we're doing, and how we're going to do it. And that's a great producer. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what you need in film and in independent film. Yeah. Going know. off so, that,
0: I need to ask Roxanne. Yes. Okay. So you need to walk me through because you, you, I want to hear more from you. Sure. So I want to know what it was like to start off from ground zero, to have absolutely nothing and build up, and then make your way to a fact that you actually started, you guys had a partnership yes. with Screen Gems. Yeah. So I want to know about that evolution for you, what that was like. and from how From the
3: very beginning. From the
0: very beginning to now, leading up to Black
3: and Blue. And you got 20 seconds, go. You got 20 seconds, yeah. go. <laughs> Do it. It's, it's been a lot of, you know trials and tribulations obviously being self-taught as well um a little bit different story i did have like i was saying earlier a little bit of some exposure to film but i was a computer science major okay installing hardware and software for the senate and assembly and decided i want to be in the film (coughs) business always was fascinated um by it but could never, like, be on camera, be in front. I freeze up, can't do any of that type of work. I'm you're doing well now. Yeah, you're doing great. Now. <laughs> yeah, you're doing pretty
1: good. Yeah. Keep going. And <laughs>
3: <laughs> anyway, you know, my father and my brother, I was like, I'm going to move to Hollywood and figure it out. At that time, temp agencies were huge, so I took my car, my U-Haul, and drove to Hollywood, stayed in a Motel 6, Got a temp job at this all-star temp agency as a receptionist, so took 10 steps back to try to learn the business. Fortunately, I because of my business background, I was able to get a PA job, which is right. what doing yeah. whatever is yeah. required okay. at the Walker, Absolutely. Texas Ranger Show. Oh, nice. And they pretty much kind of taught me how it all works. Like, that's where I kind of learned okay, this is how you apply for jobs. This is where you go. Because, you know, they're not in the newspaper. They're not (laughs) online. And online was not even, like... You see, I just I just tune I, him out. I, I, do he, I, I don't need <laughs> yeah. skip a beat yeah. with him. Yeah. He's he's a complete I, 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 all I just, the time. He's just, like, strained <laughs> every time I like, hear
2: popcorn talking, i do the popcorn Dude, You guys just keep talking.
3: I do. I was should, just telling should, them. She didn't get to talk. They're not <laughs> sure. They're not sure how, if they should stop. No, or no. I'm like, no. just tune him out. No. No. Just, no. just no. tune him
2: talk. out. We know who who holds the reins. Yeah, yeah, But
3: anyway, you know, from there... I learned just the mechanism of how to maneuver and I started interviewing as much as I can. One of them was the DGA. Okay. Um with the gentleman named Marcel Giacusa. He was the national executive in charge of theater <coughs> awards and administration management for the New York and LA office. And he interviewed me and I got the job in the interview. Uh-huh. And he was like, "Well, you don't have any movie, you know, Business exp- or movies experience, but you have the business. I'll give you fifty grand a year. I'm like, okay. I'm like twenty years old. Right, you great. know. Yeah. Anyway, so that's where I really learned about movie making. You know, all uh-huh. the awards for television I was involved in. My first production was the Alfred Hitchcock exhibit. Oh, nice. Oh, no. So just the layers. Of how movie making and productions, if you will, work—they're all the same. I feel like whether it's live TV, podcast—you still have all the same elements, and so that's kind of how I learned. Unfortunately, um, he decided to change his career <laughs> 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 and pull me out. But you know, it was—it was, it was so an interesting, yeah, it was yeah. an interesting dynamic because. I didn't know anything about Hollywood. I didn't even know what the DGA was, right? Yeah. I didn't know what I was sitting on. I quit. I was like, this uh-huh. is too much. The, the, the things that go on, yeah. you know, yep. the sexism, the racism, oh. all those elements um, was too much for me. And I was like, I'm not doing this. Go do that. And I quit. And just right after that is when he was like, I want to make this movie. And so I'm like, all right, let's go make a movie, you know. So that was kind of my quick snapshot Hollywood story. And it's funny because 360, you know, it comes back 360 last week. I walk into the DGA for the first time in 25 years Wow, Wow. to go to an event, a reception (coughs) Mm -hmm. there. And I'm like sitting there. I asked the security guard, hey, does Marcel Giacusa still work here? He was like, yeah, he's retiring in two years. Wow. So he's still in that A same two-year retirement plan. Doing, right? <laughs> he crazy. started parking cars, though. Yeah. Wow. When he was there. For the DGA? For the DGA. Wow. So anyway, That's insane. You know, of course, we didn't plan, you know, <laughs> any of this. The first movie, as, as he explained, 75, um, I think we both kind of fell in love with the process. Um And we just tried to leverage every movie to get to the next to make the next movie because of the conversation and what was going on and the people around us and you know we sat there and we looked up and here we are you know 10 movies in um but i mean i'm telling you the road was was very very hard um i mean i've quit i've cried i've you know yelled we've argued we've Had no money, counting change, you know, trying to figure it out. Nobody wants to help you. No. Nobody gives you any advice. No one, I mean, it's just, you're out there winging it, you know? And I don't know how we managed to keep going, but I feel like it's each other, you know, supporting each other. When I was down and ready to give up, he was there and vice versa because being creative is a whole nother world than my world you know what i mean and trying to keep him in line and on track once we get these things going is 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 very hard to do when you're managing you know 50 to 150 person crew right for two million dollars with 20 days to shoot 16 17 hour days and not going over budget but really trying to support your director on what he needs to get on that screen. Yeah. Cannot go back and reshoot, right? So that process, I felt like we figured out, we got through that. But then you had the whole distribution model process. <laughs> yeah.
2: So we're Which like, yeah, we got animal. this, we got this, we're done. Um, I've worked in distribution you know? for many mm, years.
3: And then we couldn't put the movie out. Yeah. We're like, okay, well, how do we get the movie out? Popcorn oh, p <laughs> What's PNA? <laughs> yeah.
2: Screens?
3: Oh. I mean, it's a whole nother it, world. that's a whole another, you know? It's, you it's know? so
2: funny that you say it. You're right, because um, I've worked for Universal, Lionsgate, and I worked in distribution. Mm. And when I when I worked on my first movie on set, people were talking about, oh, the trailer's going to be up in this movie. I go, yeah, it's really not that easy. It's not yeah. like, and, and yeah. no, I find that, <coughs> although I think it's changing, but not so long ago, they didn't understand the the machinations of distribution, right? And and getting <clears throat> screens and how that's done, and the deals being made, and how sometimes it can be a pain in the ass. um <laughs> and trying to get, um, because there are opinions flying about and all this. So I just, I I think it's becoming a little bit more so where where the producers and the directors are having a better sense. Uh, I know at my time at Lionsgate, I I did deal with a lot of producers and or a director to say, hey, your trailer's doing this and just walking them through the process. And I think today, because everything's sort of... It sort of has to be symbiotic yeah. that there that there's a little bit more education, but yet I know the distribution process still kind of remains the same. It's it's something that it really hasn't changed in forever. Yeah. So
1: what? Well, and I, I think it's I think um, uh, the distribution of it all became our Kelly's Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, that is what that is what completely stopped us mm. at one point in our lives because we were like, okay. What's happening? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I thought you made a film. You took the movie to these people. And if it's good, they put it out.
2: Right. No. No. And then
1: you realize, okay, wait. All right. So now you've went to film school independently. <laughs> right. And now you go, oh, now I have to learn the film business. Mm-hmm. And that's where I feel like a lot of um, minorities like myself, Roxanne, women, people of color, we we come into this business not understanding that side of it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now you have to learn, okay, what does it mean? What does PNA mean? Oh, that means prints and advertising. That means that these people are gonna put this much money behind your movie to actually market it mm-hmm. to the general public so that they could actually go buy a ticket and see it.
2: And but it also, but. But it also means too uh, the other important key is prints. Right. It's it's striking prints. That's it's right. back in the day, like when, when there was film involved, that's right. like it was how many prints and then how long your film was going to that's be right. to know how many reels that's right. that I'd have to put into the cans because I also work for Technicolor, yeah. which you yep. did that. Now I call it hard drives in advertising yep. Yep. because yep. now it's it's <coughs> making the hard mm-hmm. drive and then what quality is the hard drive? Then it's securing the hard drive, yep. coding it, and then sending that off to theaters and All of that. trailer package. And Yeah, yeah
3: <laughs> I mean, and that's only the traditional yes. studio model you know we started with you know the e1s and the well goes and the screen medias of Mm -hmm. it all to where you go out on a limited theatrical release right
0: two to three theaters there's
3: no prints and advertising to support the movie for the longevity of the movie so Mm -hmm. it's up to you just because you have your movie in the theater whether it's one screen or two thousand screens doesn't mean you have the money to support it. You have to have right. X amount of dollars to support that, right? Yes. So then we we're like, oh we got this release. Right. Well it ain't one poster. Right. Release your ads one radio. You release know what I mean? Your we're ass. like, oh my God, wait. Like <laughs> you just don't think about these things and yeah. you're not educated or privy to this information. You know, we we weren't. So the, here's another whole process of learning. Yeah. Right? And If
2: I'm correct, like then you're bicycle, what they call bicycling prints from theater A to theater B to open it up. So it's coming yeah, out this weekend, going to another weekend. It's almost like
1: roadshow, or, or you're or, your or, or you're or you're not getting that at all, right? You know, so or you're not getting the yeah. release at all. How or, many people
3: or, make movies in the and it never comes or even you're not the no, distribution I mean, at
1: all? So yeah. that that is that is. That is the hell of the business, right? Where you go like, damn, well, we put this money in this thing and we couldn't get it out. That's what that means. Or we can't finish our film not even to get to that step. And um, we went through those times. We went through those hard periods of time where we figured out how to make a movie, and then we were like, okay, well, this is going to be a three-year process trying to figure out. That first movie that I made, or we made together, the 75 film, it took me three years to find distribution for that movie. Mm -hmm. Right. And I will say this, if I go back and think about it, there was a time early on in the process where we actually had the perfect deal for the movie, and I passed on it, because Mm. we didn't know what we wanted. And we were told, no, you want this. And I'm like, yeah, we want that. And then I'm like, two years later, I'm like, "Damn, we should have took that. You take whatever is offered to you. and, and, And that's what you have to be smart and begin to understand. But, you know, as an independent director, as an independent producer, you know, you have to take... You have to take these lumps. You got to have that, you know, that metaphorical death. You have to really understand what it feels like to pour out a bucket of change to go get gas Mm -hmm. and still have an idea that you want to make them. You're still trying to make a movie. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to have those moments where you get laughed out of the room where someone says that's the stupidest idea I've ever heard. And you have to be willing to go through all of that in order to get to a position where you bring your dream to life. And that's not just film. That's, you know, I think we had one leg up because I had experienced that personally with basketball. Being told no, trying out for this thing, coming out of college, getting cut. You know what I mean? Damn, I almost made that team. Oh, man, the Nuggets. Oh, okay. No, they didn't want you. All right, cool. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, so a lot of that that thick skin, you know what I mean that war that war ready mentality, we kind of fell into film already like that, right? You know what I mean? Well, we like damn okay, you know. I know for me personally, it was a whole but like okay, we got setback. All right, cool. Give me thirty minutes. All right, let's go. All right, how about this? You know what I mean? Because you got to be, you have to almost be a little bit crazy, right? you know what I mean to 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 keep seeing something where someone's like no you're not going to mm-hmm. get to that yeah. and um i think that's <clears throat> i think that's more important for independent filmmakers than the x's and o's or learning a camera <clears throat> learning how to deal with actors i think that perseverance muscle that muscle yeah. of not quitting. That muscle of like, mm-hmm. damn, okay, you've been pushed down 21 times now. Can you get up on the 22nd time? And Because that's when the door cracks open. Right. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And um, that's why we make it our business now. Everywhere we go, um, we stop and talk to everybody we can that is trying to make a movie. Mm-hmm. Because we learned a long time ago that the most important and most priceless thing that you could give to an upcoming filmmaker is information. Because mm-hmm. we never got any of that. It's not $5, <laughs> it's not, <clears throat> can you give me 100 grand, although they might feel like that is, oh yeah, you give me some money, I can make this. It's information. What are you shooting? Why are you shooting it? Do you Are you shooting with the purpose? If you're making a short, and you're an independent filmmaker, and you have no money, and you're spending your 15 grand on that short. Is that short also a backdoor pilot for a TV show? Mm-hmm. Is right. it a backdoor pilot for a film right. where you can now go into the studio and say this is, what is the purpose behind that? Not just, oh, I shot my, my homies and my grandma and we all made this. Th-. Why? Yeah. What is it for? Where is it going? Knowing that you first. You know what I mean? Are yeah. you trying to go to Sundance? Are you trying to go to Toronto? Are you trying to, right? Are you trying to take the short and get a meeting at Netflix and set it up as a, that information right there, man, is like priceless. Mm-hmm. So I go around being like, texting people saying, hey man, you gotta do it this way yeah. because if not, you're gonna be sitting on the sideline after you make that going like damn man, yeah, we I should've uh no. No, what so, what, you, <laughs> what you gonna do, man? So let me ask you, at what point popcorn in in
0: popcorn talk history
1: <laughs> did way you did you hear
0: did you hear and feel that you were so confident that this was going to become a reality, that this was going to become your your career? Like what point did you know that the all the all the X's were checked?
1: Um, I still don't know today.
3: Yeah, you don't ever you don't? know. You d there is no not to answer his yeah. question, but there yeah. is no guarantee in this business with anything that you do. Just because you are successful yeah. with one film, does it mean you're going to be successful with the other Yeah, either, no, I, you I would know? also I mean, add to
1: that the one thing that I, I feel like I am confident of and I think that keeps me and Roxanne <clears throat> and Hidden Empire working um, constantly is <clears throat> the fear of being told no or being fired. I don't know. That's, that's one of my some of my greatest fears. My dad um, worked for a steel mill for 35 years endless steel in Gary, Indiana. <clears throat> and I um, his best friend Nichols um, worked there for 38 years. I wanted to be told one day that the steel mill is shutting down and your pension and all your shit that you were supposed to get. Oh, sorry. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sorry. And I think for me, watching my mom work, watching her dad work, watching our families like be trapped into these worlds where they're, they're basically banking on someone to give you something, mm-hmm. right? Goods for effort. Um, I decided as a filmmaker, me personally, and sometimes it rattles the cage of Roxanne. And now, you know, she has to conform to how I'm moving because I'm, you know, I'm a director. And I'm like, you got, we got to do it this way and is to not stop working. Right. Is to basically outwork everybody around you. That we can't control. I might not be able to be the best filmmaker. I might not be able to appease the critics. I might not be able to make the biggest movies. You know, she might not be able to produce, you know, Django or or, or you know the next Quentin movie or whatever. But what we can do is outwork all the asses. So we approach it like that. Like, Constantly, creating. we're gonna go and we're gonna work and we're not gonna sit back and go. I wonder what the next movie we could <laughs> like. Mm-hmm. We like, yo, that's dope. I love that. Go,
2: yeah,
1: right. I love that. Go. Mm-hmm. I love that. Move. I love that. Shoot it, <laughs> because we're like we can just we can work our asses to where we we are creating a trail. where we're making movies for for people that sit in the theater and you can make an intruder that says something. Mm -hmm. You can make a traffic. You can make a black and blue. What's next? What's next? What's next? Why we are not afforded the ability to make a film and wait, wait for two years mm-hmm. and go, I think my next movie will be this. we not getting paid that type of money. We've never mm-hmm. been in that world. You'd have to get, you know, if you gave me $20 million for a film or $10 million, maybe i go, yes, I'll wait a year and wait and see what I think. Yeah. Like, but at that point, man, I believe that style of filmmaker is not, it, it can't happen anymore. Martin Scorsese, you know, uh, James Cameron, <clears throat> these are guys that are incredible. The best, the best filmmakers you could think of. Right? But that day and age of I make a movie today and not make (laughs) one for three years or five years and then I just... They can afford that. We cannot, <laughs> yeah. right? We got we to, gotta, you know, pay for rent. You got to pay for your shit. I'm like, man, you got, I don't even know how you could do that. Right. So at this point, it's like, can you drive and find success? And it's funny, man, because I feel like Tyler Perry <laughs> has that same model. Oh, 100%. you know, he's not He's not necessarily the artist like that where he's like, oh, I'm making movies that, you know, hopefully win the Oscars, but he's making great content that people love, that fans come to the theater to see. Mm-hmm. He's a genius at doing it. Mm-hmm. And guess what? He's turning over. Go. Yeah. Constantly. You know what I mean? Oh, He's constantly. 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 And, and, and that's what, film, that's what the film does I, I was yeah. there.
2: I was at Lionsgate when, when they brought him in yeah. for the first time. Dyer uh, of a Mad Black. Day that's was right. the first movie. Yes. And one Insane. of my responsibilities was I, I had to go around this country and, and do presentations and talk yeah. about the slate mm-hmm. and talk about Tyler Perry. Mm-hmm. Now... It was incredible because even at the time we didn't know, but we were, we set up our first, like, hotline to buy advance tickets. Exactly. And the very first day they went on sale, it crashed the hotline. Wow. So, and then he would produce, and then he was opening up his studios in Atlanta, and he was doing TV. And I would always get up in front of marketing execs, theater managers, uh, uh, you know, Exhibitor CEOs and mm-hmm. such, and talk about how Tyler Perry was like the busiest man in showbiz because yeah. while he was making a movie, he would be doing his one-man play. Yeah. While he was doing this, he was always he always he yeah. always kept busy. So get it, man. But um, I want to move over to we should talk a little bit we about, black, talk and a little bit about blue, black and blue. bit about black. I want to talk about black and blue. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and you no, know,
0: we, well, you know, it's this is what I, I mean, about it's thinking, you know, but yeah. It's fascinating to hear your story I, because I, would, I don't, I don't, you know, we talked about junkets before. You get four minutes. Yeah. we never get to talk no. about this yeah. stuff it, it, it's no what I what supposed to talk about <laughs> yeah. Great. Yeah. when we were it's sitting novels. down I was
2: like I like to pick a thread <laughs> it's fascinating but black and blue I think there's a lot of threads that we can talk about um, uh, Naomi Harris is fantastic um, but I want to talk about the location mm-hmm. to me the location of the movie was extraordinarily important because you could have said it in LA or even New York mm-hmm. but had you done that at least to me and I could be completely wrong you would have made it an LA story mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. by setting it in New Orleans yeah. or New Orleans. You make it more of a universal story Yes. that it happens everywhere because yes. everybody already hears about how New <clears throat> York and LA about this police uh, bigotry corruption is yes. going on. But when you set it outside of a city like that, it makes it it makes it broader. Yeah. And it's reflective of society as a whole, as opposed to just making it city-centric. Yeah. So I thought that was a genius move. Was that part of the process for you? Outside of tax incentives, was that like a conscious decision to make it outside of one of those two mecca cities, and we want to do it here?
1: Yeah, because what happens is when when we get ready to film uh, Black and Blue, there are... Obviously, every studio wants to lean on a tax incentive city. Oh yes, mm-hmm. um, that's the go-to, right? Unfortunately for me, um, I didn't really care about taxes or any of that, based on the fact that I, this one would be my first studio movie, and I wanted to make a really, really good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was. We had Boston, we had uh, Atlanta, we had all. I mean, it was, it was, it was actually dealer's choice. Um, I thought New Orleans was incredible. Um, when I when when I I had always thought the city was great. Um, I started doing a little bit more research on what was going on there, and uh, New Orleans had a really really good through line um, to me to where I come from, which is Gary, Indiana, uh, very blue collar, uh, family oriented place, um, had been destroyed, ravaged by, you know, obviously uh, Katrina yeah. and other things that they went through there, but at the same time had a high level of corruption. So when you start getting into um, cities like Baltimore, Gary, Indiana, Chicago, New Orleans, um, Oakland, when you start getting to the hubs of these places, like there's another another world that's going on below the surface with police officers and people. And um, New Orleans really captivated me based on the fact that I found out when I got to New Orleans, I really got with some of the detectives and some of the police officers there, some that were retired, that said, hey, man, this is the perfect place to be. And I said, well, why? was going on? He said, because right after Katrina, there was no law you gotta remember so when that when that storm came through there there were prisons that were overturned people went on the run there were no more computer there was no there was no way to identify people that were locked up at the time that were in transit that were coming from different communities that were put. In. it would just became all out anarchy and police officers that came back in there when they were trying to get it back together now you got people that's coming back there that's settling back in people that didn't left so I was told like man it was like it was like the Wild Wild West, oh, yeah. right? People d- dealing dope, drug dealers, you know, cops are getting involved. People, cops are robbing do- dope dealers, you know what I mean? Like, it was like, and I said, man, this is crazy. So that movie, that hub, to me was like, wow, this is really, really good for what the film is about. But then secondly, what I loved about New Orleans was the, the landscape. And I think that's one of the biggest things that me and Dante really fell in love with with the movie. Um, When we first got to New Orleans, obviously being with Dante, nominated for a bunch of Academy Awards, but at the same time, the the line with Heat, The Insider, Last of the Mohicans. Like, he had a vision when he looked, and we said, well, how do we want this to look? And we immediately had this idea for Blue. Like we wanted it to have a blue electric feel, which if you see the movie, it feels like that. Mm -hmm. We wanted grit, right? We wanted the movie to actually have grain, which is something people don't do anymore. Mm -hmm. So black and blue represents grit and grain, right? The city represents that. But then the texture and the artwork, when we started traveling around it was it was undeniable everywhere we went there was some form of someone had did some type of art on any all the buildings mm-hmm. right and that was post katrina that is people coming back either drawing iconic legends You know, people that fought, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, whatever it might be, Harriet Tubman, all these images on all these buildings. I said, man, who's doing this? And they said, it's an artist named B. Mike. And oh, by the way, there's 50 other artists under him that do. I said, man, this is insane. Mm -hmm. Because all these wild walls were destroyed. The artists have now come. Same way they play music, now you have people that are incredible with paintbrushes, and they're coming and doing their art. You know what I mean? Almost like the Renaissance period, where you're like, damn, this is insane. And... I looked at Dante, and he said, we have to get this art. We have to shoot it. And if you watch the movie, every frame of this film, every frame is art. As a matter Mm -hmm. of fact, Mouse, the character Tyrese plays, he's an artist. You know, we we had to delete a few scenes, but Tyrese's character was basically a reformed guy, went to jail, had a felony, got out. But his whole makeup, his whole DNA was art. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So when you go in his house... Right there is a giant picture of Malcolm X. When you first see it, to the left is Gandhi. To the right is uh, Dizzy Gillespie. I mean, he has Count Basie. The whole thing is about art. Mm -hmm. And um, what an incredible movie, man. I will say this because we're doing the anatomy of film. So Sony Screen Gems was like, we can't afford to have Dante Spinoza. And I was like, well, there's no way I'm going to do the movie without Dante. So they was like, well, what are you going to do? And I said, I don't know. I'm not going to pick anybody else but Dante. So I went to Roxanne. Roxanne was like, we just got to pay Dante ourselves. Wow. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right. So <laughs> we ended up paying for Dante to come do this movie out of pocket based on the fact that I did not want my first foyer into a studio movie right. to be with a TV cinematographer mm-hmm. when I had worked with the best of the best mm-hmm. independently. So right. I said, well, what? how could I go from Daniel Pearl... Dante Spinotti to Mm. now going to a studio movie and you like give me the guy that does that TV show I'm like no man like we can't do that so that is where a lot of times our passion outweighs right the business because now we're going like no I need him I need that person. Mm-hmm. I need that camera operator so I can do what I do on the highest level and make right. the best piece of work. Did Dante know this? Like yeah, going, well, yeah, yeah, but obviously, obviously, obviously team it's team still not Dante's rate. Right right, right, right. But you can't you can't give Dante what they were going to give him. You right. know what I'm like? You right. can't yeah. give this dude, this yeah, is Michael yeah, yeah, Mann's yeah. cinematographer. Sure, right? yeah, right? absolutely. So you can't say, oh yeah, we we'll have him come on down for three grand. Like, what are you <laughs> talking yeah. about, dude? Like,
3: but they obviously <laughs> had to know because we had to pay them separately outside of his... Yeah. Studio check. We had to cut a check. Right? But, that, he, was but taken,
2: I, he was taking food from your mouth. That, I,
3: I but, can't believe it. But, 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 we don't think of it no, that no, way. No. But you but, are but, right. But, but, right. But,
1: but, <laughs> but look at the results. <laughs> yeah. Look at the yeah. Yeah. results. It's, it's a bigger I wanna, picture. A uh, couple
2: of things too. You'd mentioned Tyrese. I actually believe, and I, I've written this in my review. You really drew out an amazing. I think his most amazing performance. Oh, it's I the first agree. time I That I saw him so dramatic, and mm-hmm. I hope that. Uh, other people, because he was very sympathetic. Yeah. And yes, we know he's the tough guy and wisecracking guy in Fast and Furious. It's great, but this side of him, I was like, he can actually act. So great job yeah. on, and, yes. on, on, on and getting and drawing that out of yes. him.
0: Uh, I hope it leads. I to I actually more. wanted to ask you. I think this is a very important thing to talk to you guys about. <laughs> this is the first film, if I'm not if, if I'm not mistaken, to embrace the whole new. Generation of the world we live in, where now we have police body cams.
3: That's right. Uh, yeah. That's so,
0: right. that, I mean, you, you beat everyone to the punch with yeah. this. Yeah. Um, and you, you used it to such extreme in this film, and I think such importance that you kind of that. show. you. Yes. Um, why was that for you so important to tell this story and use that as a like a plot device?
1: Well, the movie the movie represents the first uh, on many levels. Um, it's the first time we've had an African American female lead play a police officer in cinematic history. Yep. Mm-hmm. it's the first movie that actually is is actually using the body cam footage um, as a character in the film. And uh, it was important to me for a lot of different reasons. A few months before we did Black and Blue, a young kid named Stephon Clark was killed in Sacramento, California. He was shot 28 times uh, in the backyard of his grandmother's house. And before that, you know, obviously, you know, we have had too many, too many murders to even have a conversation about on this show, uh, which brought, you know, which to me was a little bit. Weird, in the sense to where, you know, you have to begin to say, okay, who's human and who's not? What's really going on? What does the black and blue line represent? The reality is when um, these people are being killed, there's five or six officers standing right behind them with body cams.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: At some point, someone has to actually say, hey, man, I actually knew that dude. I walked by this block every day. That wasn't, you, you actually, that wasn't right. And you could do that in private. Yeah. <laughs> right? And when you do that in private, all of a sudden now you don't see people constantly getting off on these charges mm-hmm. when they're killing someone mm-hmm. that has no gun. Or someone on a cell phone in a car with their hands on the wheel while their girlfriend is videotaping. Mm-hmm. Like, these are moments where you're like, yo, how, how could this possibly be? So... Going into the film, I don't really think, and I've said this publicly a few times, I don't really think Sony really understood what that movie represented to me. Mm -hmm. It was a run chase movie. Eric Paquette was a brilliant uh, executive to put the movie together. But when he put it in the hands of someone that actually lives in the culture... Yeah, and breathes in a culture and really understand what's going on. I've been pulled out of a cop car. I mean, I've been pulled out of my car. I've been put on the hood of a car. I've been car. I've had all of that happen. Roxanne yeah. has lived that. Roxanne has been experienced. So all of a sudden now you have to go, okay, this is what that feels like. This is what that looks like. This is what that energy is. And when you're behind the camera, when you're speaking to someone like Tyrese or Naomi for those types of characters, you got it. They're living it too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right?
2: So yeah. That's, yeah, I want to talk to uh, Naomi. Number one, the, the opening five minutes of the movie is for me was extraordinarily Yes, positive. yes. Because it was almost, for me, I looked at it as a quick bait and switch. That's because right. when the cops are coming up behind yeah. her, going in, knowing that she's a cop, I just thought, hey, you want some coffee or whatever. Yeah. Not knowing the events that actually come down. Yeah, And I was like, Okay, so this is setting up the movie. Yeah. The other scene there there are two other scenes. Uh the scene when they go into the 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 packy, the seven the mm-hmm. eleven type store, the convenience store, and the person behind the counter is like, Oh, are you finally responding to my call that yeah. I put in twenty-four hours ago? Yeah. And it's like, Oh, I know nothing about that. I'm yeah. just here for a bag of yeah. chips. Just- and then when they were going by the project house yeah. and, and 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 uh you know, his partner was like yeah, we don't even take calls yeah, from there anymore it. unless it's blue. That's in, in that's trouble. All troubles, yeah. And those three scenes, to me, set up thematically yeah. what this what the it movie is about. about. And yeah. and again, setting it if you did it in L.A., it becomes oh yeah, well that happens in L.A. Yeah. So taking it out of that situation to me makes it more broadening like you go this doesn't just happen in LA it happens everywhere in the world well (laughs) Well, I want to also
0: say that I I feel like the evolution of cinema and especially of people of color uh, of recent is that I'm so happy that we finally have started moving away from slave movies. I feel like yeah. that was literally the only way... Oh, the have we? It, uh, well, <laughs> the, well, the, uh, you know what I mean, man? Like, literally, like, the, the evolution of cinema has always been Well, like, you know
1: oh. I'm getting ready to do no, sorry, no. Well... <laughs>
0: These movies that actually say something about the community, okay? Like yeah, I love, right. I was a big supporter of Hate You Give last year, which yeah. I which I absolutely loved, and yeah. this f- this film also is great because good. it had it's saying something and it's important. Yeah. Queen and Slim, which I have not seen but I'm seeing this week, is going to say something, and yeah. I think it's it's important to have these movies that represent the culture but are being told on a bigger scale because yeah, more you're... people are seeing it. Yep. Because let's be honest, you are talking to white two white guys at this table. Yeah. We don't always know what that's like. I only know what it's like because I actually grew up in a household where I actually have four black brothers. right? So I know, I mm-hmm. see what the difference is. Yeah. I see how they're treated when they go into a certain neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And I see how police and and just stores look at them. They yeah. bomb around the store. Yeah. like yeah. It's crazy. So I just want to say thank you thank for you. bringing awareness of these <coughs> topics to light. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I think they're so incredibly important.
2: Yeah, they were great. And the way that you presented them in the movie, I thought, was fantastic. Because it's the way storytelling should be. Yeah. It's either by you set up a scene and then there's dialogue. Yeah. Again, there was. A, you know, we don't take calls from there anymore, unless it's blue. Or you here for the? No, I'm just buying a bag of chips. I didn't even know about the call. Yeah. Like, the, just a minute of dialogue tells you everything you need to know yes. about a theme that's going to be relevant through the remainder of the movie. And, it, and, it, so, and, it,
1: and it's real and it's grounded in authenticity. And that's what happens when you get. That's what happens when you get. Real filmmakers to do real films that they've actually experienced or lived in. Right. So we don't take cars in there. That's every project around the country. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. There is a protocol when when police officers are getting ready to go into project housing, they do not ride in there by themselves. They have to now wait for two, three, four cars. Get a call. Understand that they're going into a hostile environment. Mm-hmm. Right before it, and it doesn't matter if someone's in there shot dying.
3: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: We're waiting. <laughs> oh, wow. We're waiting to drive in there. Right. And and when you understand like that's how it is and the mechanics, then you start going like, damn, this is. Damn, what is going on, man? How is it war zones in in America mm-hmm. where, where, where people are living in? and and it's disgusting, man. And if you come from those environments, you really understand. I've lived in the projects. Mm-hmm. So you can't tell me nothing about a project, <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? You can't tell me nothing about a roach crawling through your inside your TV screen while you're watching it. Experience that, you know what I mean? Or you can't tell us nothing about the culture because we live it every day. And the reality is, when I say culture is funny, man, I'm going to make sure you know this too, it doesn't just pertain to black people. Right, culture right. culture are people that have been socially impacted,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Right. Like, you could live, I've had white people living in projects next to me. You know what I mean? Like, it's, uh, how how have you been impacted? What world are you coming from? Is there a liquor store in every corner of your neighborhood? Is there no jobs where you come from? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, how many trailer homes is in that area? Like, all of a sudden now, it's like, no, that is the culture. The culture is people that are actually not being able to actually make it, make ends meet, trying to figure it out, working three jobs, and that's still not enough. You know what I mean? The young kid that's going to school and not being able to learn anything because he didn't eat last night. You know what I mean? So those things and, and those worlds are, you know, always a combination of things that make great cinema when you've actually lived in and you could actually say something. Right?
0: Mm-hmm. So, unfortunately, we have to wrap, even though we oh, love talking. let keep going. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I mean, you know I would have I could talk can, to we you can can for, can for another an, hour uh, or two. Yeah, I but, think easily. But but honestly, I, I do want to ask... Um, if you had closing remarks, not, not only just about this film, but as, as, as filmmakers, as producers, as being your own students, uh, your, your own teachers, what is something, what is one piece of advice you would give everyone out there?
1: Well, I have a closing remark and a piece okay. of advice, okay. and um, uh, I'll, I'll let Roxanne do hers first, then I'll do mine last. Closing remarks.
3: Okay, closing remarks And,
1: remark. and, and, and,
2: <laughs> advice. and, and advice. actually, too, before yeah. too, because we talked about this, and I want to, uh, to give due diligence, because I promised you that we would. You, you're you multi in it, so you do the movie, but you're also working on a couple of podcasts that you're really ready to produce. Mm-hmm. That yeah. are getting ready. So We're trying. Ta- well, that's that's great. You can talk a little bit about that, but I'm, I'm also itching to hear your closing remarks, because this yeah. has been an education. Yes. This is what, in a sense, at anatomy was all about. It was really about to learn about the it's good. Process. This is going to be great for people to listen to. I hope yeah. yeah. This this should be on the Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But this is great. Thank yeah, you. Yeah.
3: I mean, thanks for having us. I mean, I think my closing remark is, you know, I'm just very blessed to be doing what we're doing, you know, and and I want to just continue to try to educate and build the younger people around me to teach and show them how to get out of this and to go to the next level. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's why I'm doing all of this, is to bring, I'm going to bring everyone that I can with me on mm-hmm. this journey that I can. And to never give up on your dreams, no matter what's happening. You know, always try to pull from that negativity something positive because... And today that's hard. Without that, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Trying to figure out, like... What your purpose is instead right. of saying, oh, man, this person did this to me or this person did that or why can't I do this or why can't I do that? Really trying to find motivation or positivity in your situation mm-hmm. to get to the next and understand that you're just really going through this. Right. It's not forever. Mm. Right. And baby steps. One step at a time, short-term goals to get to your Mm long-term goals, right? And
2: if I could say, you two, when you talk about collaborative efforts, Mm -hmm. you two are fortunate. You have one another. I yeah. mean, I can see that you draw from one another. Yeah. Um. Just at this time, just meeting you for the first time, and you're fortunate in that regards because yeah. many people don't have the partner who supports yeah. one another. That's right. Yeah. And, and I just saw that here, just in the hour plus that we've talked. So Thank you. you're very, you're very fortunate in that regards yeah. that you talk about the positive. You have each other to bring the other person up when yeah. they're down. So I can see that wonderful balance in you. You're very fortunate. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Thank you.
3: You're
1: welcome. Uh, I would just say my close remark would be for Black and Blue um, You know, we are really pushing this film for awards now so yeah. people could actually see it um, understand what the film is about. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie is about uh, being the change um, the movie is about having integrity the movie's about if you see something say something Um, and you're right man it's the first time you know um, it is not uh, a movie where um, every critic in the world is like oh my god did you see no this is a movie that is relevant and has spoken to the entire culture Mm -hmm. and if you don't understand that, all you gotta do is go online and read what people are saying Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right people are piling in the theater and coming out and having conversation about this movie and the conversation is what do we need to do to actually blur the lines between black and blue a line that's been there for hundreds of years mm-hmm. right and um, I'm just happy that the film is actually creating that type of conversation I definitely believe that Naomi Harris should get some Oscar nomination buzz around her I think this is Tyrese's first incredible performance people forgot about John Singleton tap Tyrese and He's incredible. And I feel like when you could pull something off like this in this environment at this time, and it is directly in the zeitgeist of what's going on in the culture right now. Mm-hmm. Today, mm-hmm. today, this is happening. Not a year from now, we're like, oh yeah, remember last year they was, no, this is right now. Right. God forbid this weekend it doesn't happen again, <laughs> right? And I feel like the awards, people, the voters, this is why you're on those boards. Because you need to seek films like this and give them credit. I feel like Naomi was very powerful and Tyrese was very powerful to put their careers into a film like this and allow people to actually see something that's relevant and real. Mm-hmm. And they should be rewarded for that. Um, so that's my remark for Black and Blue. Um, I would think my, I think my last bit of advice to anyone. Uh, uh, would just be be prepared to be prepared to lose it all to gain everything you want, um, and if you're not willing to lose it all, then you're not you're not in a position to win. Um, this is a very tough business, um, no matter what color you are. This is a tough business to get into. It's a tough business to find success, um, but at the same time, you know, if you're an artist, your job as an artist is to paint and push forth reflections of what time you lived in and if you're not doing that then you're doing it all wrong you know what I mean when you go back and think of the 16th chapel you know when you go back and think of you know uh, the social revolution um, all these moments and times like there are artists right there painting canvas, art writing, murals, movie screens of what is going on and that's your job. You can be fun and funny but at some point inside of that window you need to be able to point to something to say something to people and uh, that's what we're trying to do and that would be my advice to you, say something Perfect. Yeah.
0: Well, everyone, please seek out popcorn Black,
1: talk. yeah, Popcorn Talk Network as well. You guys can use but, that, by the way. Indeed. Popcorn Talk, like when people just just place it in there. Just yeah. stop saying that. Keep popping. Keep popping.
3: But yes, please seek out Black and Blue
0: in theaters now. Thank you so much, yes, Dion and Roxanne, so for being here. Uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you so much.
3: Bye. Thank you. Great.
1: Thank you.